Welcome to a special edition of Breaking Badness. In this episode for our Summer Camp 2019 miniseries, we're joined by Irfan Asrar, head of threat research at Blue Hexagon. We sat down to reflect on the introduction of technology, the shortage of language skills in threat research, and how to stay on top of security news. This special episode of Breaking Badness is next. moment to be positive. There's a lot of doom and gloom in the industry yeah, yes, and there's yeah. so much FUD we can discuss and that's all low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Um, but instead I'd like to start with a look back on what we've accomplished in the last year and right. something right. in the industry that we've improved on improved on or changed in the past year in right. your opinion. Um, as far as um, technology-wise goes or just... Um, Anything. Yeah, all the above. Technology, the, the skills gap. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, so I started off my career um, professionally working for Symantec. At that time, I think dealing with sample analysis and, you know, individual, um, you know, investigations and stuff was pretty manual. Mm. Um, I, I think the whole concept of heuristics evolving into AI, into machine learning, I think that is pretty interesting. And, and at the speed of which it, it kind of evolved, I think that is pretty uh, fascinating to me. Yeah, and um, you know, and it's, if you look at what are some of the biggest um, changes in the last couple of black hats or in the RSA and something, like that, I think that everybody's now talking about AI and how it will revolutionize everything. Absolutely. I think that's one of the positives. It, it's the introduction of technology to, to support um, you know people in terms of um, lack of resources or lack of time or um, just shortage of people. Yeah. I think that is one of the more positive um, things of uh, the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. From um, from shortage or um, just need exactly. will come great technology. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Have yeah. to evolve in order to stay on top you of it. You got it. So. You got it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. On the other side of that, what are some things that you feel we need to improve over this next year to, to prioritize? No, you know what? I, I think I'm, this is one of the things that's always been concerning to me is... Um, the number of arrests or the takedowns that are um, associated with cybercrime and cybersecurity and the incidents, you, I, I don't think that's kept up the pace with the number of incidents that are happening. Um, and if you look at the, the if you look at the track record of how many people have been convicted, that's even less. Um, you know, it, it's always a matter of you know um, some federal agency around the globe or Europol or somebody kind of issuing um, arrest or a, you know some kind of um, a, a red. Uh, Sorry, uh, red, I forget what the term is, but essentially issuing something and saying that, hey, we identified the actress behind this. We, we know attribution is correct, but they haven't actually brought them to justice. Right. I think that's something that the industry could collectively come together on, both private sector and federal and government, and yeah. can help improve on. Absolutely. And I think uh, it's something we talk about in the podcast, too, is a complicated issue when you don't have physical borders right. through security or, right. you know, when you're dealing with the cybers. And so if uh, somebody needs to be, it can be extradited from a certain company exactly. or not company, country, Cut. how or, you handle yeah. that, or a company. Yeah, or yeah. a company, you yeah. never know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'd uh, be curious to see what kinds of suggestions come from that because right. it's that classic technology exactly. is always ahead of legislation. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are actually using that to their advantage. They, they intentionally set up domains in countries where it's really hard to actually issue a takedown notice or, mm. you know, you've got certain governments that actually don't even care about takedown notice unless it's affecting their citizens. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A great point. Yeah. Let's see. Along similar lines, what what is the greatest threat facing the industry right now? What what keeps you up at night? Um, you know what? That, that's a good question. I, I think the 
you know, in the, in the political climate, you see a lot of the, you know, I've been doing this, I started my career out in Japan, you know, for, for about close to about 15 years I spent um, working with research teams across Japan, China, and Korea. And what we realized was when it comes to like cybersecurity and some of the larger incidents, um, the political climate, uh, economic conditions plays a big role. And, you know, the current political um, situation that we're facing, you know, issues in different regions, turmoil, um, you know, it, it, you know I, I was in Hong Kong a couple of days ago and in Japan, there's protests going over there. Um, there there's some issues, um, you know, and, and with North Korea and stuff like that. Um, they kind of facilitate or, or incubate um, cybersecurity incidents. Um, and, you know, for example, like a couple of days ago, you had the, um, this whole thing about Iranian um, Navy uh, basically taking ships, passing through the Homs Strait, and, uh, you know, basically taking them to Iran and confiscating them and saying that, hey, we're, we've, we've identified that these guys are doing some rules. So we just found a whole bunch of people actually targeting insurance companies saying that, hey, your ship was confiscated by the Iranian government. You want to file a complaint using that as a cover. So I, I think all the elements are there currently for the perfect cybersecurity storm, which is political turmoil, fluctuation, global currencies, uh, instability in economics. Uh, economic conditions around the globe. That's what keeps me up. When, when there's unrest in the world, that really, there's a co-relationship there. Yeah. And, and you can start seeing, you know, in the last couple of days when the Dow fell, um, price of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, started hitting $12,000. And all of a sudden, you know, I was talking to individual people around here, it's, it's too soon, a couple of days is not enough. But they started seeing crypto miner distribution go up in the last couple of days. And also ransomware attacks going up. Um, and, you know, the charges have gone down for how much they typically charge. So th th there's a relationship there. Hmm. So it's all these other economical factors that play into, to, you know, uh, your, your threat landscape. That, that keeps me up. That's a good reason not to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> a good yes. set of reasons. Lost sleep or insomnia, it's right? It's an interesting time. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> we live in interesting times. Yeah, absolutely. That's great insight. And I'll be um, curious to keep an eye on that that correlation yeah. that you're seeing there. That's uh, We'll have to dig into that another time with a yeah, potentially its own podcast. Yeah. That would be fantastic. So uh, another question I always like to bring up is around the skills gap. Yeah. And it's a common topic. And oftentimes that conversation is centered around technical skills. So what is a skill that you think is really important in the industry but isn't discussed? So I was at a three-letter government agency a couple of months ago talking about something like this. And I think one of the, um, the skills that kind of goes, um, you know, a lot of us are focused on SANS, uh, the trainings, the malware, thing, IDA, how to use all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But some of the more softer skills like cultural understanding or understanding um, um, language skills, like, you know, trying to figure out actually what was that message that you decrypted? What does it actually mean to the native speaker in that region? Um, those kind of skills are, I think, still lacking. Um, so you, I mean, you treat somebody to do reverse engineering, you can teach somebody to understand code and stuff. But I, I think if, when it comes to threat research or understanding uh, threat intelligence, having more um, experience in the context of the you know, country either the threat was targeting or it was created in gives you a little bit more insight. So it's definitely a shortage of language skills, definitely a shortage of some of the softer skills around um, you know, reverse engineering, I think is lacking. Absolutely. And I'm curious, too, what will help remediate that or enumerate that in a sense. That, you know what? That that was actually the purpose of the discussion at the government agency. They were also trying to figure out, like, do we immerse people or intelligence? You know, like, do we actually take people who are in, you know, um, um, the SOC team or the reverse engineer team? Do we give them the same kind of training as you give them as intelligence officers? Immerse them in a couple ah. of months in that region. Interesting. Um, get them to understand what are the problems facing. Get them to understand what are, you know, the local terms that people would use. Yeah. to better understand, like, is this somebody pretending to be 
somebody coming out of the Middle East? Or is this somebody who just really is from the Middle East? Or someone just used Google Translate or translate a threat into Arabic? Absolutely. Make it look like the ransomware came from there. Yes. So immersion is one way, I guess. But yeah, it, it, there are different, different approaches. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. I'm just thinking even from a really simplistic standpoint, if someone's standing up a domain, right. you're trying to understand the intent of that domain, the, right. the, the domain name itself and right. what that translates to and what that means in that exactly. culture, that's huge. That makes yeah, so much exactly. sense. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's, here's another example. Um, you know, it, it's ISIS, right? I mean, like when you when you tell somebody in the Middle East, somebody who's an Arab native speaker or from regions where ISIS is impacted, when you tell them the word ISIS, they got no clue what you're talking about because over there they call it Daesh. Right. So a lot of the domains were kind of named around that. And, you know, they uh, were kind of geared around there. A lot of emails contain that text. So whenever you see an email that says ISIS in it, they're like, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. Something is wrong. It's somebody pretending to be a black flag operation or something else is going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's a great example. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, so pivoting a little bit away from the industry and yeah. to reflect on your own professional experience and growth. What is a goal you have, whether it be a personal pet project, professional yeah. development, uh, th that you're working towards in this next year? Um, but you know what? So I've, I've been really fortunate. That, um, the last couple of outfits that I was working with, they, they've kind of, again, touching back on the cyber skills shortage, they've been kind of trying to connect with, um, um, you know, um, high schools and universities and academia in general, basically, to see what programs we can facilitate to to groom the next generation of cybersecurity people and also... Uh, you know, not just men, because it tends to be cybersecurity for a lot of shops around here. Even you go in there, they tend to be uh, predominantly men. We're trying to encourage people from different backgrounds, different genders to come into this field. There's a huge opportunity and the skill shortage and the gap is, is going to last for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, we've been working with universities um, and colleges uh, globally. To, to create programs for them, either improve their existing programs, or we actually go in there um, and come up with a custom curriculum that complements some of the you know things that they're we're working on. Um, you know, so if they're teaching Android, uh, if they're teaching Java development skills, we'll, we'll go in there and try and teach them. Hey, this is how you reverse engineer Android or Java, and it kind of complement their existing coursework. That's fantastic. And maybe hopefully get them into the process of getting into either a cybersecurity program or yeah. maybe look into taking them on as an intern. Yes, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And yes, can't um, can't talk about diversity enough. Right. Having a different Absolutely. different backgrounds and informs so much different thinking. You got it, and you know, it really helps when you've got different thoughts of looking at the same, you know, one problem. You've got different viewpoints coming, in. and I, I think more so in cybersecurity than any other field that you really in a diverse background when it comes to investigations. It, it really adds color, it adds different opinions, and you know, because you can take an email or a threat or something and look at it one perspective, but you really need to get a really whole kind of, um, you know, a complete view from different people of what exactly was it that people were after or what is it that you think yeah. really was the target here. Yes, absolutely. Perfect, all right. That's a great, that's a great goal. Yeah, thank you. Yes, of course. The security industry is obviously moving at an astronomical pace. Everything's evolving. Everything's changing all the time. Right. What are some techniques or tools or technologies that you use to stay on top of that? You know what? That, that, that's something I'm still figuring out to this day. Um, after being in this field for 30 years, I actually started this out in high school, collecting malware samples. All the people had SAM collections, I started collecting malware samples. That's actually how I got my first job with um, Semantic, with Norton. They, they actually, um, you know, they had a message at one point in time the original version of Norton Antivirus back in the days of the floppy disk actually in a message. If you reverse this and if you're seeing this, contact us. That's oh, how that's they're recruiting cool. people. 
and there, there were several people out there that kind of used this tactic. Electronic Arts in its early days, uh, you know, they, they used the same thing. Uh, games that were being, um, um, you know, basically hacked. They use that as a way to basically recruit people to improve the security. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and um, essentially, you know, what I've realized uh, from that to now is it's just that it's a constant evolving threat landscape. Um, it's it's something that constantly needs, um, you know, um, looking into from the perspective of like what's changed today. Why is it that people are attacking this? There's always motivational changes and reasons why things look, are different. I, I think it's a matter of, um, you know, I think AI is helping a little bit because it'll help some, it maybe reduces a learning curve or um, maybe takes some of the workload off. Um, I think that's going to play a big role in the future to, to help people to, to get to um, a goal in a short amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, are there any sort of on the technologies side, are there any open source tools that you keep an eye on or use? Um, you would recommend? You know what? I kind of, kind of also kind of getting away back from cybersecurity to the data science sector. That, you know, like a lot of the open source, like TensorFlow and some of these, they, they've been applied in security now uh, quite a bit. Those are the tools kind of been kind of lately using. Um, some of the older tools out there, you know, like the um, the ones from uh, Sans or something that they made open source and stuff. I'm really a big fan of those. Uh, big fan of Cuckoo. Big fan of um, you know uh, QMU, the sandbox, um, and instrumenting those sandbox. Um, but lately been kind of focusing more on the data science tools out there and seeing what potential they can to integrate them into some of the, um, the traditional computer si oh, traditional cool. security tools out there. I'll have to run those by our data scientists yeah, yeah, yeah. too. I'm sure they're very familiar. <laughs> so uh, another question I'd like to kind of getting back to the industry trends yeah. conversation is what seems different this year so far at summer camp than in previous years? Ooh, you know what? I, I still haven't had, I just got here last night. That's I still fair. need to look around. Um, I, I think there's definitely a you know a lot more people interested. I think there's um, you know looking at the number of vendors out here, this number of security companies out there. There's a lot more people now than there were last year. Um, a lot more global representation of companies. It's not just you know one or two countries. Um, right. Um, and I, I think the overall kind of industry, um, government kind of collaboration thing. And there's a lot more platforms for collaboration. That's all and great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So definitely seeing a lot of that this year um, and hopefully that trend will continue yeah those are all fantastic improvements so I'm, I'm glad to hear that yeah hopefully we'll be having the same conversation next year more of all so. those yeah. things yeah so um, lastly on the, the summer camp front what is your favorite hangover cure or key to surviving uh, Advil <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink and this is from somebody who's jet lag constantly um, I, I think the older I get, staying out later and later, that in itself, uh, you know, and I think I need some kind of this. But Advil is definitely the go-to uh, solution, remediation for me every day in the morning. These days. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, and the final question I'd have, and just like we started the conversation yeah. on a positive note, I want to end it there. And um, there are so many security professionals out there fighting hard every day to keep all the things safe, all the cybers safe. Right. <laughs> so... Personally, who's someone you look up to in the security industry? Oh man, there's there's so many people out there. Um, you know, and if you um, work with some of the older traditional security, well, I don't want to call it older, you know, guys like uh, Symantec, McAfee, and Kaspersky. A lot of these people move from one company to the other. Um, one of the ones that I kind of definitely look up to is a gentleman called Peter Zor. Um, he's no longer with us. He he was with Symantec for a long time, developed a lot of the core technologies over there. He was with McAfee for a while, developed a lot of their core technologies and shape where some of their newer products are today. Um, 
Um, definitely an individual who um, shaped a lot of people's careers. He's actually the guy who hired me when uh, when I got to work for uh, McAfee in Japan, uh, Semantic in Japan. Um, and um, you know, there's so many people out there um, just like him, encouraging people to, to get into this space. You know, because they're really, if you think about it, right? I mean, like there was no, it's like being a stuntman. You had to know somebody to get into this space. There really yeah. was no career path um, up yeah. to a couple of years ago when people started saying cybersecurity is, you know, a potential career opportunity. Um, you know, prior to the 90s, it was basically like some weirdo collecting malware samples or sending it in or something, you know, right. it, it really grew into an industry and um, a, a professional um, organization in the just last couple of years, uh, you know, in the past decade, I'd probably say. So a lot of people like Peter Zor, um, um, you know, and they, they shape that industry and they shape um, forums where people can create presentations and platforms uh, and papers uh, so that, you know, we all can be taken seriously and this, yeah. this, this problem that we're facing can come to light. Absolutely. And it seems to be on the forefront now. That's been a pattern in these conversations is, Another bright side is cybersecurity's front page news now, and yeah, people are starting yeah. to think about it and ask questions. And so, absolutely, shout out to those people for all yeah. their efforts, and um, I'm sure they appreciate it from you. And yeah. and that's all I have for you. And I, I want to thank you so much thank for you. your time. Thank, thank you for being for, on the podcast, and me. we'll have to do something again sometime. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>